welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. I'm finishing up our series on a long time ago in a Galilee far, far away, just looking at the, the different characters of the Christmas story. And this is the, the final message. So there's a few characters that we haven't talked about yet. We haven't talked about the innkeeper. We haven't talked about the wise men. So before I get into the main part of our whole entire lives, which is Jesus, I just wanted to, to share a couple of thoughts around the other characters we haven't talked about yet. So the first one is the wise men. And I've got a, a bit of a spoiler for you guys. The wise men weren't around at the time Jesus was born. Um, most scholars would say that Jesus was about one to almost two years old before the wise men came. So we usually have those nativity stories, uh, like well, the nativity scenes like we have, and you've got the wise men and the shepherds and the animals and Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Um, the wise men weren't there. And um, it, I don't think it matters much in, in the scheme of things, but it's just interesting. So for the sake of time and for the series, because I've only got a limited amount of time left, we're not going to talk about the wise men this Christmas. And then, which brings us to the innkeeper. And I've got another spoiler for you guys. The innkeeper wasn't even mentioned in the Christmas story. He's not even there. He's not even talked about at all. I think it's probably one of those Mandela effects that we always think, wait a second, there's an innkeeper and, and Joseph and Mary knock on the innkeeper's door and he says there's no room in the inn, but you can have the stable. There wasn't even a stable mentioned, uh, but there was a manger uh, feeding trough. So I just wanted to share a little bit about this because I think it's really, really important. Um, Luke chapter 2 verse 4 to 7. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. That's very interesting. No guest room. Other translations say no guest chamber or no upper room. There are a couple of Bible translations that say that there was no place available for them in the inn, but it's a really bad a translation of the original, which is almost always translated upper room or guest room. So a little bit of a background to this. Um, in the time that Jesus was born in the Middle East back then, and pretty much in the Middle East nowadays as well, hospitality is a huge, big deal. And if you could afford it, most houses back in Jesus' day had an upper room built or a guest room built because you'd often have uh, visitors come, you'd often have relations, extended family come, and they needed lodging, and you would have an upper room especially prepared for them because like I said hospitality is a big deal so um, they never had mobile phones or texts or emails people would, would drop by unexpectedly you would always have that upper room or that guest room available so when Joseph and Mary came to Bethlehem they almost it's, it's most probable that they would have um, knocked on a, a relative's door and asked 
for lodgings. Now, this is where it gets really, really interesting. Why was there no room in the guest chamber or the guest room for them? First of all, there was a census, which means there was everyone everywhere. The, the town was extremely crowded. Uh, but even so, if you, if, if you were there, you already uh, had your place in the guest room and you had some relatives come and one of them was just about to have a baby, anyone would say, you can have my place. You know, I'll sleep outside, I'll sleep with the animals. Uh, you, you're, you're pregnant, you're gonna have a baby. And, and the customs of the day, I guess, and, and nowadays, having a baby is a very big deal. It was something to be celebrated. So anyone should have given uh, their space if, they, if it was already crowded for Mary and Joseph which brings us to the second reason why there was no room in the, the guest room. Probably because Mary and Joseph weren't welcome there. Probably because they were shunned. Because when you've read the story, uh, she was pregnant before wedlock. Um, if you were pregnant out of marriage in, in the day, you were shunned. It brought a whole lot of dishonor and humiliation to the family. Everyone wanted to forget about you. You were rejected by most people, so most probably there was no room in the best part of the house, of, of the, the guest room for Mary and Joseph because no one wanted them there. Um, but obviously what are you gonna do with someone who's just about to have a baby? You, you have to ho home them somewhere. Um, so there was room made for them um, in the place where the animals were, where the animals slept, where the animals were fed. We don't know if it was a cave or another place outside or even in the same building. But that's where Jesus was born. That's where Mary and Joseph had the baby because they weren't welcomed in the best part of the house, most probably. Which is really sad when you think about it. But again, Jesus came, God came into the brokenness, into the rejection, into the ordinariness of society. So that was 2,000 years ago. What about today? I think it's, it's very similar again. We, we have Jesus as a part of our lives. But do we have the very best place? Do we give Jesus the priority of our heart, the, the best room of our lives? Or is he relegated to somewhere else? You know, he's a part of our life, but he's not Lord of our whole entire lives. So this Christmas, make space for your Lord. Make space for Jesus in the very best part of your life. Give him the best room. Matthew 1.20. So I want, to, I want to wrap up this series now, talk about Jesus, which is my favorite subject. And this is where uh, the angel talked to Joseph. We, we've talked about this before in previous weeks. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This is in Matthew chapter 1. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins, or he will rescue people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. So this was already prophesied thousands of years ago in Isaiah chapter 7, I think. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's one of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel. It means God is with us with us. I love um, Jars of Clay, their Christmas album. You've got to listen to it on Spotify. It's the very best album ever for Christmas. One of my favorite songs is Love Came Down at Christmas. And it talks about God uh, being wrapped in humanity, 
coming down into our brokenness and into our ordinariness and, and rescuing us, which is such good news. Billy Graham put it this way, uh, the famous evangelist, Christmas is God's reminder that we are not alone. In John 1 uh, verse 14, it says, God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Christmas, when you, when you boil it all down, those four words, I think, encapsulate, encapsulates uh, the meaning of Christmas. Four words, God is with us. God is with me. God is with you. God came down into our brokenness to rescue us. If you condense the many meanings of Christmas down to just one truth, you will always end up with four words over and over again. God is with us. God is with you. God who formed the universe in his hands is wrapped warmly in humanity. is crying real tears in a real city with real parents trying hard to take it all in. God is with you. Fast forward over 2,000 years. The four words that changed history can now change us. Those four words are the only words that can bring meaning to the deepest places of your heart. God is with you. For the woman whose husband has just walked out on her and who continually struggles to pick up the pieces, I want to say today, God is with you. For the elderly couple who can no longer care independently for themselves and who now must rely on the care of others, God is with you. For the man who watches as all his friends get married off and who painfully wonders if there's any woman out there who will ever take an interest in him, God is with you. For the person who is struggling with debt, stress, and is losing sight of hope, God is with you. For the person who is searching desperately for truth and is looking hard at Jesus, as maybe he's the answer, God is with you. You are not alone. You never have been and you never will be. Because God in Christ wrapped himself in human flesh, stepped out of eternity and into time, and used ordinary people, some overlooked shepherds, and a feeding trough in Bethlehem to communicate one simple but all-powerful truth. God is with us. God is with you. And those four words have the power and the beauty to change every part of our waking lives. It will transform our entire life. God is with us. God came down. And he became human. And he lived as God, but as man. He grew up and he died on a cross for your sin, for my sin. He rose again to broke the curse, break the curse of death, so that we could have hope, that we could be rescued, that we could have everlasting life in him. There is no news better than that. God is with us. I just want to finish with these thoughts. God will never leave us either. God desires your fellowship in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He desires our fellowship, our friendship. Two, God has made a promise in Matthew 28 verse 20. Be sure of this, I am with you always to the ends of the age. He promises to be with us always. Number three, he will never break his promises in Numbers 23, 19. God does not lie. He does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Number four, God loves you and won't forget about you. John 3.16, God loved the world so much he gave his one and only son. 
so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Lastly, number five. God is not finished with you yet. Philippians 1, 6. I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Such good news. God is with us. He's never going to leave us. Revelation 3.20. This is Jesus. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. 2,000 plus years ago, God came down into the brokenness of humanity. Normal people. He dumpster dived into uh, the frailty and the mess of humanity to bring good news, to bring hope that, that we could be forgiven, that we could be restored, that we could be made whole, that we could have a relationship with God, that we could have our sins washed away, that we could live forever in paradise with him. That's incredible. Ordinary broken people becoming ordinary in the hands of God. We're going to have communion in just a second, but I'd just love to give you the opportunity this Christmas of giving your life to Jesus. Like I said last week, the best gift you could ever give, give is give your life to Jesus. And the best gift you can ever receive is receiving Jesus into your life, receiving him. I've got a few presents here. And, um, you know, you'll probably have a few of these under your Christmas tree by now. And someone pretends to be Santa on Christmas morning and, and hands them out. Uh, and this could have my name on it. But for me to really receive this, um, I need to be given it first of all. But then I need to reach out and I need to grab it and I need to make it mine. And I need to, to unwrap it and, and it's mine. But I need to reach out and grab it. It's exactly the same with salvation. We need to, to reach out by faith. And grab a hold of Jesus. He wants to give himself to us this Christmas. Um, but pe some people think, how can we do that? We've just got to have the faith of a little child. And it's by faith we do that. We believe in our hearts. We receive him into our lives. We give our lives to Jesus. He comes in and he takes his place in the best part of our lives. We make him the Lord of our life. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.